Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, mental health, and wellness, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. This podcast episode is brought to you by UHSM HealthShare, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.uhsm.com or call 1-800-900-8476. Friend, have you heard the news? I'm officially releasing my first book this summer with Dayspring Publishing. It feels wild saying that, but I have been behind the scenes writing away and it is happening. It's called Worthy, 50 Mindful Moments to Bring Peace and Clarity to Your Day. And honestly, it is the book that I've been wanting to read. Listen, have you found yourself feeling more anxious and overwhelmed in today's cultural climate? Has the modern social media world and hustle culture left you on a roller coaster of feeling insecure and inadequate no matter how much you do? Or do you tend to struggle with people pleasing in order to feel valuable and worthy? You are certainly not alone. Many of us have been struggling at the intersection of our faith and our mind in today's world. So whether you need a total digital detox or just a little more balance, I've truly aimed to gather the information and inspiration to help you feel a little more refreshed, more clear, and more at peace within each day. These 50 faith-inspired devotions are integrated with helpful psychological tips and insights to reset each day with a grounded mind and spirit. I wish you had this in your hands in front of you because you'll see that it has a beautiful, simplistic design with short yet impactful messages of peace and clarity, along with inspirational quotes and affirmations and mental health trackers, so readers will be able to declutter your mind, check in with your mental health, and focus on how to show up with intention for each day. In essence, this interactive devotional is designed to help you, one, practice a more grounded and internal sense of security. Two, realign with your values and convictions to show up confidently as your true self. Three, refresh your faith with the hope and peace of God's word. Four, develop the psychological tools to better cope with anxiety and overwhelm. And five, redefine the necessary boundaries for your overall mental, emotional, and spiritual health, and so much more. Within Worthy, get ready to reclaim your days with a sound mind to show up confidently for the life God has called you to live. You can grab the book on Amazon or dayspring.com or Barnes and Noble and really wherever books are sold. And the links to order will be in the show notes below. So be sure to check it out. Now let's dive into today's show. Welcome back to another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. So glad you're joining us here today and super excited for today's conversation, which I've actually been wanting to have for a while. 
and I have my friend Regina Chow Trammell on and we're talking about using mindfulness to manage everyday stress and she wrote a fantastic book called A Counselor's Guide to Christian Mindfulness, Engaging the Mind, Body, and Soul in Biblical Practices and Therapies. How good does that sound? Regina, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm doing so well. Thank you so much, Brittany, for having me on your podcast. I've been following your work and just so grateful for mm -hmm. the ministry and the information that you put out. It's so good. And you make it fun too and beautiful. So I love oh that. Gosh. Very mindful. Thank you. No, I likewise, I'm just very much in, in admiration of the work that you're doing. And I also got to flip through your book again today. Um, and I think this is going to be really helpful for um, a lot of people who are listening, even as it has been for myself to think about how to create a more mindful lifestyle mm -hmm. and to even clarify mindfulness, maybe for those who feel a little skeptical about it or don't really understand the benefits of it. Like, does it really help? You know, um, want to talk about those things because it certainly does. I can say from personal experience, um, you know, in your book, you cover so many things, guys, you have to get it. It's just kind of a wealth of wisdom um, and knowledge. You talk about mindful marriage and mindful parenting and mindful friendships, even mindful leadership. And honestly, I didn't even know where to start <laughs> with this conversation, but let's start with, for those who aren't familiar, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led to the work that you're doing today? Oh, thank you. Um, Brittany, I've been a licensed clinical social worker for over two decades. So mm -hmm. I first started out in clinical practice, providing psychotherapy to clients, and I really learned a lot about trauma work. So of course, as many of your listeners know, trauma and mindfulness kind of work together, right? Mindfulness could be a great intervention. So I learned that through my practice. And then I started a PhD and did research and really focused on mindfulness, particularly the Christian stream, because at that time, um, I was living in the Chicago area and a lot of the trainings were really either Buddhist based or just, it wasn't a formed kind of intervention. So I want to do more research on it. So I joined um, Baylor's PhD program in social work, mm. and that became the focus of my dissertation. What is Christian mindfulness? Um, where does mindfulness come from when we think about it in ancient Christian practices? So that's how this, the book was kind of birthed out of that experience, um, the, the practice experience as a psychotherapist, yeah. and then the research experience. So I'm now a um, professor at social of social work um, in Azusa Pacific University. So that's kind of like my full-time job. And I have a small okay. private practice where I um, provide therapy, particularly from a mindfulness-based lens. So I love this so much, especially um, just any somatic work, any kind of yes. mind-body work right. is super helpful. And having that integration, um, like you said, because we know a lot about mindfulness. It's kind of like a big word these days and yes. everyone talks about it. And, um, and so being able to look at it from that integrative Christian perspective is, is obviously very, very interesting because I think that when some people when sometimes people think of mindfulness, similar to yoga, like you even mentioned right. in your book, 
you know, they're skeptical because it's like, oh, like, what is it rooted in? Or is it in these rooted in these Eastern practices of other religious backgrounds? And what am I really getting into spiritually? (laughs) You know, are are the questions. Um, So I love when there are those like yourself who are doing the work to clear these blurred lines while also showing the benefits, uh, the real lived benefits. And in doing so from a, um, from a faith-based perspective mm-hmm. um, and that the two can coexist. Yes. So what is Christian mindfulness uh, yeah. for starters? And what are some of the, the benefits of mindfulness? Yes. So Christian mindfulness, this comes from um, a definition in the book um, where I just talk about a little bit of background, uh, John Kabat-Zinn's research work, some of your listeners may have heard of him, kind of a mm-hmm. secular-based definition, which is paying attention to um, the present moment without judgment. And the Christian version of that is really intentionally making space for the Holy Spirit, right? And God's presence. So uh, my definition of Christian mindfulness is about making time to turn our whole attention to God so that we can hear and abide in his voice above the chatter mm-hmm. and above the stress of our lives, right? Because So we think about everyday stress, right? It's just kind of a constant thing that hums in the background. I would actually propose to you and your listeners that, you know, in our modern world, we're always trying to just keep up. And so we're constantly living in a state of stress. And so everyday stress is a real phenomenon. We're always trying to manifest peace and (laughs) we just can't find it, right? And so I think the Christian impact of mindfulness is to allow and invite God, right? Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. How do we actually practice that without him? You know, so it's really opening up, not just body and mind, because that's really important. God made our, you know, he knitted us in our, in our mother's wounds. um, And we're given a mind. So that's really important to use, but also how do we ask God? How do we be mindful of the spiritual work that he's doing in our lives. That helps us kind of transcend the everyday stress because sometimes we need help. We can't do it on our own. Yeah. I thank you so much for expounding on that. I I love this concept because I think it's so expansive, right? Like I feel like it takes our faith outside of the four walls of the church or just, you yeah, know, amen. these specific formats and, and spaces where we believe are the only spaces or the primary spaces where we meet God. And I was just sharing this on uh, Instagram, like the other day about how my faith has really expanded. And I, I do think that mindfulness has been a part of that, where even if I'm, you know, driving on the freeway and say it's been a stressful day, but I recognize that the sunset is so beautiful, Mm -hmm. like against the backdrop of the clouds and just taking that moment. And thank you, God, like, thank you, God, for that, you know, and and it actually just being this constant communication, um, between me and God and living in this really in this flow where in a way, like everything is spiritual, right? It's not, there isn't this disconnect necessarily between, the spiritual and the secular in the sense of like any space that we occupy and any activity that we're doing can become a moment to experience God, um, to, to be mindful, um, and and essentially to be present. And 
just to be honest, like for me, having gone through things like many people who are probably listening, maybe church hurt, or maybe things that created a bit of a faith crisis because there was hurt or disappointment or whatever it is. And so much of your faith is attached to maybe that Christian community or that Mm -hmm. church community Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, being able to still have a sense of God and connect with God while moving through that hurt or moving through that trauma, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe through something like mindfulness, um, as you're kind of rediscovering what the future is going to look like is, has been so helpful. Mm. I, I love what you're saying, Brittany, because I think a lot of people, a lot of your listeners and a lot of conversations, right. In Christian circles are kind of, how do we still, you know, practice our faith without kind of this programmatic way of doing faith, right. We've kind of, many of us have grown up in this sort of programmatic, I would say compartmentalized, right. Yes. yes. Tradition. Like my life at, in my spiritual life is here at church with these people. And then outside of that, I don't know how to practice that as well. Or I, I, it's a, it's a, to-do list. And I guess I would challenge, I love the word that you used earlier, which was flow and it's integration. Again, it's like, how do we um, think of ourselves just even as human beings without um, this idea, right? Of my mind is separate from my body. My spirit is separate from my body, from my mind. You know, I think we can engage. I think the beauty of Christian mindfulness is if we're paying attention, like you did on the freeway and looking at the sunset, right? You're making space for God, Sometimes you're going to not feel it, you know, one day you're not going to that sunrise or sunset isn't going to do the same thing for you, but breathing might or um, doing, like you said, a yoga practice or just something, there's a little bit more flexibility. You know, I do have a chapter on mindful eating. Could we transform even our everyday rituals to become, like you said, a spiritual mind and body practice. What does food taste like when we're really tasting it and just being grateful, right? For the hands that harvested it, for the way that God brought it to our table. I mean, it just becomes a, I find those moments like worship, right? And that Mm -hmm. just, gosh, that lifts that everyday stress, right? Instead of like, I'm trying to eat to get to the office. (laughs) Let me just take a minute. It's not like, much longer. It's just how does my mind and my body and my, and my spirit wrap my self around this experience. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing, but I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. 
Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has Groupinar sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify, and you can apply for financial aid during the sign-up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Right. It's like this lived experience. And I love that chapter, by the way, just as a fan of like intuitive eating and yes, it's like mindful right. eating. And we have a lot of conversations on that, but I believe it's Acts 17, 28, where it says, um, in God, in him, we live mm. and we move and we exist. And that's what I think of when yeah. I think of this, like flow, you're in this constant flow. I feel like in other cultures, especially in like Eastern cultures, um, this type of spiritual practice is more common. I don't know if it's in the West that we tend to just the way that we do things and the way that we systematically operate that we tend to compartmentalize things uh, more or we only um, contribute things to certain domains. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. but this right. is this this has very been become very expansive for me thinking about it in this way, and I think that's yeah. what's so encouraging about this conversation is trying to encourage people to experience faith in this way, where it is a lived everyday experience in not just these hyper religiosity contexts that maybe yeah. some people have experienced, where there there has been harm within their right. faith. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that something like this can also be healing and expansive mm-hmm. to start seeing it this way as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. I mean, I think about kind of the West, right? Rene Descartes definition of why, you know, the fact that we're human and we're not living in a simulation, right? I think therefore I am. Um, I think that's very different. I'm Chinese American. My grandparents on my paternal side were practicing Buddhists. Um, and I think what I draw from that heritage, right, is this idea of all of these things that I talk about, but from a Christian standpoint, um, which is, you know, everything we do, this life is short, right? Yeah. Life is life is but uh, just a breath. And, um, you know, how do we, it's not about maximizing, it's about 
living in integrity, right? It's being integrated. And I think we're so hungry for that. I think in the church, because um, we've noticed, right. Some of the, the fruit that's come out of some, a lot of the church scandals that we can't think our way into goodness and behavior only goes so far, right? Like there's a wisdom, I think that comes from living in truth and not just living a compartmentalized life. This is my work. This is my church. This is my family. How do I kind of break down those walls and each of those spaces and truly live the lessons of each of those spaces we might inhabit and bring them into our everyday life, right? We, We all experience stress in each of those domains, I imagine, we might want to people please. Part of why we experience everyday stress, especially for many of your listeners who maybe identify as female, you know, I like to call it the two poo-pooing, the two P's, which is, <laughs> you know, people pleasing and perfectionism, right? That we yep. really think that we need to be perfect and that people have to like us. And so that tells me I think as a, just from the therapy hat that we don't really trust ourselves, trust who God made us. And then we really feel like how we do things and and doing things perfectly is going to get us some reward. And I just feel like those are just kind of lies that we've bought into that are culturally bound. And um, that hopefully, you know, mindfulness practice helps you to listen and abide by God's voice. That is so corrective right? No matter what space is telling you, you're not, you don't belong or you're not good enough, right? Those, those are just, I think a lies that I think we, a lot of us struggle with. So well said. So good. I hope you guys are just taking a moment to let that sink in. Um, cause it, it actually segues into something that you shared about in your book, which is using mindfulness to transform core beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk yeah. about how many suffer from a low self-concept that feels hopeless and helpless and denies their identity as bearers of God's image. And that these core beliefs and judgments about themselves may come from abandonment, family, attachments, trauma, and helping to walk through the steps to get to the essence of who they are, that they are unconditionally loved. So how can we use mindfulness to take notice and maybe address some of these broken core narratives we've held about ourselves? Yeah, that's a it's a process, right? And I think um, what I'd like to start with, and and can I offer maybe a practice that might be helpful? It may not address a particular core belief, but I think understanding who God made you in his image is such a corrective for a lot of our core beliefs and understanding how those negative core beliefs, when they emerge, why do they emerge? If we can respond with curiosity, like, oh, I'm noticing that I'm feeling a lot of pressure right now to be liked, or I'm noticing I'm feeling a lot of pressure to overwork right now or do something that's beyond kind of my limit. So um, I'll just give you an example. So when I was a new professor, I was very insecure. Um, I present young, you know, um, sometimes, especially a decade ago, I'll say when I first no, started. You look, you look great. Thank you. I'm I fishing for that. those compliments. Yeah. <laughs> You can still see, I'm still work, I'm still a work in progress, but, um, you know, one thing I incorporated that just kind of came to me in kind of a mindful moment is this, and I offer this in the book, a tea drinking exercise, 
So I would go into these, you know, these lecture halls with, you know, 30, 40 students who don't know me every day and, and to, you know, teach them. And sometimes I'm like, what am I going to teach them? I mean, I just, you know, you start to under, under, um, you, what is that word? Like, like you underestimate. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. We <laughs> underestimate constantly our worth. So my tea drinking exercise is simple, right? Sometimes we have to, here's a principle of Christian mindful. Sometimes we have to experience it before we know it. You know, the Orthodox really, Orthodox Christians really understand that there's an embodiment to their practice, right? We bow or we do something physical. So my tea drinking exercise is simple. So I would carry, I always have like a mug of tea. Today it's coffee, but I, I bring it to the classroom every day. So my students don't even know this is happening, right? Or I'm with a client for the first time or whatever the case may be. So I'm, I hold this mug of tea and I just feel its warmth. And I f- put my two hands on the mug and I picture that it's like God's embrace. Like I am this mug, God is holding me and mm-hmm. I feel the warmth. And so I just savor it for a second and just smell the tea and enjoy it, engage my body, engage my senses, right? And get in this mental space of like, okay, Regina, leave whatever that insecurity is and take a couple deep breaths and then drink the tea. Mm-hmm. And as I'm ingesting it, I'm just ingesting God's grace, like a symbol of his grace that it's offered to us daily, right? Just like he talks about our daily bread, the manna that he has for the day. So I ingest it. I need God's grace. I need it to cover over whatever is happening in my brain, <laughs> like, right? Those ruminations of flaws or imperfections, needs to people please, needs to, you know, all the poo-poo that we do to ourselves. So I ingest it and I feel it go down my esophagus. It's it's embodied. It's in my stomach. I carry it with me. It's a permanent part of my day. And it just helps me, takes just a few seconds. And then I'm just telling you, it just shifts something in me where I'm like, okay, now I can give to my students. The focus is on me anymore, my performance. It's about, okay, what do they need? I'm not saying I do it perfectly, but it's a practice. And I think that's a main takeaway, I would say. Like the principle is kind of doing the practice and we learn by experience. It's kind of like hindsight, right? Is 2020. We get to remember, oh yeah, God, God does love me. I am worth something. Yeah, I love that so much. So I'm gonna like grab my tea. Um now I'm gonna add the tea practice, but really like. I think sometimes with these mental concepts, like changing our thoughts or changing our core beliefs, you know, it can feel very abstract for a lot of people. So, and it's, it's easier said than done. Like it's, it's quite difficult, um, to, to change something that seems so immaterial. So I love that we're taking something that we can embody, um, because I think that we learn better when we experience things with our senses, you know, with our bodies, when we really need to have that embodied experience for things to feel more real for us oftentimes. So I love this practice of taking something that's immaterial and kind of uh, tethering it to something that's material that we can feel and experience and embody so that it all comes together in our minds um, is a really cool way to, to think about it. I think that's so well put. I couldn't have said it any better. I love that. Just the immaterial to the material, right? Cause we're all seeking to feel grounded in yeah. this kind of world that's changing so fast. I mean, I'm sure you're keeping up with like chat GBT and all this stuff. Like what <laughs> does, 
what makes us human? Well, part of it is we have limits. Yeah. And it's okay to acknowledge our limits and it's okay to seek rest, rest restoration. And some of that is going to be, you know, practicing joy. Some of it's going to be practicing inviting God to kind of be with us in our pain and other people, of course, I definitely believe in kind of a collective healing Mm -hmm. process. So important. So I love your podcast. You have these great guests and, you know, it's a collective experience that we're having together. Yes. Like yourself, I was going to say, since you went to Baylor, are you familiar with Holly Ox, Oxhandler? I, yeah. Um, <laughs> she's a good I friend heard, of ours here. Yes. yes. <laughs> she's, her book's amazing too. Gosh, so, I just, yeah, that's why I love having a podcast. Cause I'm like, I really get to bring to the forefront these voices like yourself that are doing this amazing work. I always tell people, I'm not the only one doing work at the intersection of faith and mental health. I might be one of the first people that you came across, but there is such a collective of folks like yourself who truly just have the heart of God, honestly, and are so authentic and, um, integrous in your work. And so, Love these conversations. Okay, now I I want to shift to kind of the hot topic part of the conversation, and that is what would you say to the Christian who is skeptical of sure. mindfulness, and what are some of the roots of Christian mindfulness? I love that you talk about this. I think a lot of times we're like, oh, stay away from that. It comes from you know Eastern root, or you know, and there's a lot of fear. I would say there's yeah. a lot of fear around these things, but. There, there's a lot that's uh, Christ-based in here um, and has Christian origins. And I just love to take the opportunity to reclaim these types of things within our faith so people can feel spiritually integrous, I I should say. Yeah, let's reclaim it. I mean, I think (laughs) mindfulness, right, uh, isn't owned in the secular Buddhist space. I mean, Christian... Uh, mindfulness practices come from ancient tradition. So not to expound too far into Christian history, but <laughs> I think it's important to note, right? Like there's, when we think about Christian history, especially ancient Christian history, um, you know, there's the Orthodox and the Roman Catholic kind of history of our faith. And so a lot of us who are maybe are non-denominational or evangelical on the Protestant stream, we really come from the Catholic stream. There's also the Orthodox stream. So I mentioned them earlier, but um, you know, the monastics, when we think about a lot of the saints that practiced, right, these really strong, um, dedicated their lives to kind of meditative practice, but mindful practice, allowing their awareness of the present moment to kind of inform their work, their life's work. So I think of, you know, old folks, like a lot of people might be familiar with the desert fathers. Um, a lot of the, especially, um, I'm really nerding out on Orthodox Christianity, um, because I have a family member who just converted and, um, there's so much in terms of that history where embodied practice, you know, you think about some of these church, um, monastics, they are, there's miracles done. There's a lot of prayer. There's just a focus on God and who he is. St. Basil, Catherine of Siena, Teresa de Avila, um, and then even like some of the Greek Orthodox folks um, who people might not be as familiar with. And I just think, you know, when we we use the term mindfulness here in our kind of modern secular world, but what they were doing back then mm-hmm. was mindfulness, right? They're living in community. They're, they're sweeping the floor. They're, they're praying while they're doing that. They're 
paying attention, right. To what's happening in their body. They're sacrificing, um, food and their, um, aesthetics often because they're relying on God to, to fill them. And so we can take some of these lessons, right. I think in our modern Christian world, we've kind of disconnected from that history. Right. 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 We become very cerebral, right? Like we study the Bible very intellectually and maybe there's a disconnect. Maybe the corrective is how do we kind of embody and really engage our spirit, not just our mind. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll all have sparks of that, but the monastics of ancient time really teach us that sometimes it's thinking about God in the way we eat and sleep and drink the ways we, you know, pursue intellectual exercises or even prayer and worship. Yeah. I I mean, you think about these ancient practices and they are so meditative. You're right. We've become so cerebral. That's such a great way to think about these cultural, um, these cultural shifts that we've made and how it's affected us today. Um, Okay. And I'm just going to throw this out there. And I know it's controversial among the spectrum of Christian thought, you know, um, even thinking about like yoga, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of variety in the Christian thought about it. I mean, I have a friend who hosts holy yoga and then I have other friends that are like the positions are uh, compromising and all these different positions Mm -hmm. that you're taking. And then Mm -hmm. there's this other view of, while you are stretching your body, Mm -hmm. you know, you're moving through a flow in your body. And there are a lot of scientific, just physiological benefits of moving your body in this way that doesn't belong to really any sect or side. It's it's just a physiological, there's this physiological benefits to it. But I know for me, as I'm stretching, as I'm in this morning flow, as I'm moving through my body, I use that time to basically practice Christian mindfulness, everything that you're talking about. Like I use the movement of stretching and of that morning flow to pair with contemplation and to pair with mindfulness and to focus on you know, this is my intention for the day. This is how I want to move for the day. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your grace. Mm -hmm. Just the embodiment of the spirit in my body. And thank you, God, for giving me a body that can live and breathe and move and flow in this way. You know, so I I think I also want to put out there, I never want to tell anyone to um, what their conviction should be or to compromise their conviction, but I do want to open up the conversation that there is a way to reclaim um, these types of movements and practices that are evidentially beneficial Mm -hmm. um, and integrated with your faith. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what came to mind when you were talking right now, Brittany, is some of the work I've done in terms of studying mindfulness, especially Christian stream. So there's a study I've published that's really looks at kind of the neurobiology of um, stress, essentially. So if we look at things like heart rate variability, right, it's Mm -hmm. based on this research that we have a vagus nerve, and this comes from Stephen Porges's work, a lot of it, um, that emotions are seated in our body too, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we can address everyday stress, not just from an intellectual, like, let's think about our thoughts, but how do we stretch it out? I mean, I'm a yoga a devotee too. And I notice when I stretch out my hip and mm. I'm thinking a stressful thought, there's some release. I can't explain it, 
but there's something about the way I hold stress on my hip flexors. And I think a lot of us, if we just take a step back and think about how we um, experience everyday stress, it might be a headache, right? It might be a tightness in the chest. It might be an upset feeling on our stomach. I think God has made us with a body that signals his need. You know, I, I think there's good verses that aren't coming to my head right now, but just, you know, that he really cares about that. And if we look again to Christian history, there's a lot of body practices. Like I, I mentioned asceticism that mm. people would wear certain clothing to be cold or, um, and then refrain from eating. You know, if you look at the Orthodox calendar, it's about, there's a lot of days where you're not supposed to eat any animal product. Why is that? What's the point of that? It's right. It's, it's to register in our body, something that's happening spiritually. So I think yoga in, in some sense, wherever people land on that, I think it's engagement of body, mind, and spirit. Are you aligned with Jesus in that spiritual place? Just like you said, I do the same thing. I'm like, God, thank you for this body that can still move and stretch in this way. I can still do a headstand. I mean, that's amazing to me, <laughs> you know, like, or whatever the case may be. It's a kid, anything we do be transformed into a form of worship and receiving, right? And receiving from God, his goodness, because he says in Jeremiah, right? Like I am a good, good father, right? I am, he wants to give us good gifts. So if that's the experience of yoga for you, why not? Right. I, I mean, I like the Shavasana at the end where we're, yeah, it's my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) And I do, it's just a natural part of like, gosh, thank you that I get to do this. Yeah. And, and my, you know, my stance, I won't say my argument because that sounds a little aggressive, but my stance is that if the spirit, if God's spirit is living within you and your heart and mind is seated in Christ, you, you have nothing to fear, right? Like, yeah. Perfect fear. (laughs) My perfect love casts out fear, right? Exactly. That's, that's my, my feeling about it. So as we're, as we're closing out the conversation here, I was wondering, is there maybe an exercise or practice that you could leave us with today that listeners can begin incorporating into their lives? Sure. Absolutely. Brittany, I love just being able to introduce people to some easy practices. So just kind of a Christian foundation, right? We think about how as human beings, we were first created that God breathes life into Adam and so I think starting with breath is so important. And again, it kind of just a reminder that our bodies are also engaged in Christian mindfulness. So I'll lead us to kind of what's what I call an adapted box breath. And so it's something that you could do when you're feeling that stress, or you're noticing, right? Like, okay, I, I'm, I feel stress or I'm noticing my body's tensing up. Try this breath exercise. We're going to, I'm going to do it for a little bit. So you could kind of get used to it. And then I'll lead us into kind of a, a contemplative practice. I like to close my eyes just because it helps me focus. And just we're going to, we're going to breathe in for four counts. I'm going to count us in, then we're going to hold our breath for four counts and we're going to exhale for four counts. And all you have to do is to breathe, right? So 
Let's go ahead and start. We're going to inhale two, three, four, hold two, three, four, exhale two, three, four, inhale two, three, four, hold two, three, four, exhale two, three, four, inhale two, three, four, hold two, three, four, exhale two, three, four, inhale two, three, four, hold two, three, four, exhale two, three, four, inhale two, three, four, hold two, three, four, exhale two, three, four, and just keep breathing like that, or just find a pace that feels really good. Just notice right now the breath coming into your lungs and then out of your lungs and let that be a practice right now of inhaling God's peace. He says he offers peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Inhale that gift. And then exhale. Just notice and observe what your body is feeling. Notice and observe where your mind is at right now. Can you focus and pay attention to kind of these truths of God's peace, right? Peace is actually our true home, right? And this side of heaven, we don't always feel it, but on the other side, that's actually what exists. That is more permanent. Could you acknowledge that piece of reality in your mind and then exhale and release anything that's kind of getting in the way of that? So do that for a, I'm going to be quiet for about 20 seconds while you kind of work on that. Okay. So use your breath to guide you. Let your breath be a way to move out all the distractions in our mind. It's okay if your brain is busy by just like you all who are listening to pay attention to your breath while contemplating and receiving God's peace, the truth of the world. You're doing really good. Just keep breathing. There's no wrong or right way to breathe. All you have to do is just receive of God's goodness in your life right now as a gift that you can't repay God's grace and peace. And just acknowledge maybe any kind of um, thoughts or conflict in your mind, any kind of disconcordance as I speak this. And just notice, observe it. That's all you have to do. You don't have to kind of keep turning it around in your mind, but just notice anything that comes up besides this kind of truth that peace is our true home, that God is the Prince of Peace. May not feel like it, right, in everyday life, but could you just sit in that space right now? And then just notice and observe your body again you know what's happening in your head space any tightness there in your neck or shoulder in your chest any tightness there or uncomfortability in your stomach or uh, gut region i talked about my hips being tight earlier maybe any tightness there just do a quick body scan while you breathe in and if you notice any tight spaces, could you breathe in that breath of God's peace and send that breath to that spot? Could you ask the Holy Spirit to inform you where maybe those spots are? 
and what the work might be left to do after this practice from the Holy Spirit. And so as you breathe, acknowledge this gift, send that breath to that tight spot. And as you exhale, maybe do a prayer to the Holy Spirit to guide you in this time. And just notice and observe and kind of name any other emotion, name in your mind or in your heart space where the spirit resides, wherever you want to call that. Name what you're experiencing, name what you're feeling, name maybe something that's bothering you, name some work that you have left to do, a gentle work for yourself, right? To be near to God again. And so allow this time of breath to heal that, untighten those places in your body, send that breath there, allow the Holy Spirit to inform you, notice what's happening in the muscle or the tightness and allow your breath to release and just take three deep breaths now to kind of seal in this time, acknowledge the work that you've done. Um, good job, everyone. And on that third breath, just gently open up your eyes or gently see that you're back in kind of in the space that you are. Hopefully you're not in traffic driving too long, <laughs> but what would it look like, right? To do this practice. I hope that you could carry it forward, whatever you're doing, you know, you could be washing the dishes and doing this. You could be, you know, it's, I don't want this practice to be another ad on another to do. How do you let it flow, as you said, Brittany, into kind of, like you said, a, a lifestyle, not another to-do to please yourself or someone else. Oh, so good. I love these so much. And thank you so much for that, Regina, and that you guys can take this type of practice into your everyday life. Um, is there anything that you would like to leave with our listeners today, I know we've talked about a lot, but is there anything that comes to your heart? Yeah, maybe it's a little combination of like what we just did, but gosh, may God grant you peace in this mm -hmm. day, wherever you're listening. And I know we're hungry for kind of a permanent peace in our lives and the world is changing so fast and there's a lot coming at you. And I just really hope that you kind of um, find a practice that really reminds you of God's presence, that you're not alone in anything and that there, and, and right, that the space that Brittany's created, you know, that there's people to walk alongside you. Um, absolutely. So that's my wish and hope for all your listeners. Yes. And she wrote a book on peace and mindfulness in the middle of a pandemic yes. and, so, and social <laughs> chaos. So I would say that, um, there's a lot there to be learned and uh, it was much lived, uh, much lived. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for those who want to stay connected with you and the work that you're doing. Of course we have the book in the show notes. You guys definitely go grab that because not only is it informative around um, mindfulness and Christian meditation, but there's also like a ton of contemplative practices that are in there as well. And all these other domains that we didn't really get to talk about, like mindful parenting, mindful marriage, mindful leadership, mindful ministry, mindful eating, um, that I definitely want to invite you guys to explore. So 
The book will be in the show notes, but where else can everyone stay connected with you? Yeah, thanks. So I am on Instagram. It's Regina underscore Chow, C-H-O-W underscore Trammell. You can follow me there if you'd like. You can also reach out. Um, I teach at Azusa Pacific University. You can always find my faculty um, note there and you can feel free to email me um, if you have any questions or follow up. I'm happy to send any other resources, but um, there's such great, I just want to say it's, you know, thank you for picking up my book and for giving it a shout out. I hope it's helpful to you. It's written in a way that you could lead yourself or lead other groups kind of through practice. It's for the lay counselor and the professional therapist as well. So I hope that could be helpful and yeah, find me on Instagram. I don't, um, I try to post some kind of stress recovery kind of little notes or things that I'm thinking about, but yeah, that would be a great way to interact. And you can certainly message me there as well. Thank you. Such a kind way to extend yourself. Uh, thanks guys for listening. Thank you, Regina, for sharing all of this with us. Until next time, 